The play-in is done tonight. The playoffs are here tomorrow. What's the most interesting matchup in every series and game left? We'll cover all of it today on Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Friday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast. Everybody filling in today. And I'm Tony East from Locked On Pacers. He's Adam Mares from Locked On Nuggets. Lots of playoff action coming. Play-ins conclude tonight. In the East, we get to see the Bulls and Heat slump into the postseason. The Thunder and Timberwolves. We'll see if someone gets put out of their misery or not there. And the playoffs start tomorrow. I can't wait. Adam, can you... Wait, I, I'm so excited for the playoffs this year just because there's so much unknown and and so many league-changing series, I feel like, in the first round this year. I'm more than ready, man. I'll be honest. I started the week excited, and as it's gone on, I've gotten bored. <laughs> the play, yeah, look, I floated you my theory about the play-in before this, but like the games are fun because they're like one really consequential game, but then it's like a 39-win team wins, and everyone's like, oh, this is a great eight seed because they won this consequential game. I'm like, no, 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 they're not. Um, but we'll see if any of those teams can win. We'll cover all the series, including the potential of those play-in teams against their one seeds in their conference. But we'll start with those play-in games. Let's go to the Western Conference first, the upcoming rising. Oh, my gosh, this team's going to be awesome in a couple years. Thunder versus the what in the heck is going on? Every day there's something new. Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll do the biggest matchup from every series and game today on Lockdown NBA. Adam, in this game, what do you feel like is the most important, compelling matchup in Thunder Timberwolves? Well, I have three here. The first one is lots of pressure versus none. I think the Timberwolves <laughs> season like hinges on whether or not they can make the playoffs. I mean, that was their goal this year out west. So to fall short, and not just to fall short, but to fall short to a team that's like behind you. In terms of where they're at in their process, would be a really bad sign. Um, I've got Shea Gilgis Alexander versus Anthony Edwards, which is just two of the most exciting scorers, young scorers, and young players in the NBA. Shea stepped up to the plate in the play in game and did not. So I think that'll be a nice little matchup. And then last, and I think most important, we've just got a big versus little matchup. Who knows how Gobert returns? Who knows what the team is like? What is the vibe like with this team? Those are big questions. But what I do know is the Oklahoma City Thunder are not big. They are tiny. They feature Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, and I, who I kind of like, but he's a rookie, and he's not even that big. This is just a really – there's a huge size advantage and opportunity for Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert to dominate the boards, to dominate the paint, and I'm just curious to see if they can do it. You missed my most compelling matchup in this game, and that's Rudy Gobert versus his own teammates. Uh, <laughs> I have to get the jokes off really well I can. I am actually – this is a very interesting game for him to return in. Like, during Pelican's Thunder, I tweeted this. So my only tweet the whole game was like, why is it Valanciunas touching the ball like 100 more times? Because no matter who was right. playing center for the Thunder, Dario Saric, Jalen Williams, the J-A-Y, Lynn Williams, right. he just put their butt under the rim and scored. And he hurt his ankle with like a couple of minutes left, but they had no answers for him. And he only took like nine shots or something like the Wolves have a ton of size that I feel like makes that tricky for OKC. But OKC does all this fancy guard stuff and drives like a bajillion times a game. So stylistically, the matchup's really interesting. I think you nailed a lot of the compelling matchups, though. Shea versus Ant, just two dudes who just pressure, pressure, pressure on the rim. The whole game will be completely fascinating. 
Yeah, but I'm telling you, Anthony Edwards is a great player. He hasn't been in these moments a whole lot, and I was shocked to see him play as poorly as he did in the last one. I would have penciled him in for, oh, this guy's going to go off. He's going to have a big performance. He's going to dominate. Best player on the court wasn't the case at all. So now he gets a chance at redemption. But if he – let me ask you this one. This is a hot take. Let me get hot take Tony over Ooh. here. Ooh. If we get another Anthony Edwards stinker, will you look at him differently? It's early in his career. There's always time to change the narrative. But I'm saying yeah, we'll, we'll establish an early narrative. No, I don't think so. I mean, the, this is dumb to say. This is not actual analysis. But just the vibes of the Wolves just suck. And like <laughs> Nothing is right. Like, I'm not going to hold this over anybody yet. I mean, uh, look, he was not good against the Lakers. And, like, you couldn't even tell he was out there. Their whole offense was just gross. Like, the whole fourth quarter, nobody would move. Like, you got to be better than that. So maybe, I guess... But I mean, it just feels like yeah. a team problem to me. I just love this idea of like, you know, Michael Jordan got swept by the Pistons, you know, early in his career. But to be fair, the vibes were just so off. <laughs> like the vibes were off with the Bulls, man. They were just off. I'm telling you, I know it's a stoop. It's not an. It's not an analysis. It doesn't count as saying. I'm not right. the vibes are off. I should have just muted my mic and then and let you talk. Uh, the East plan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give a prediction here, Tony. Who's winning? Oh, oh, oh. Man, it's it's fascinating. A team with a ton riding on the game versus a team with none riding on the game. Look, the Wolves played well for 40 minutes against the Lakers, and I think yeah. that stylistically that might be enough in this game. I'll take the Wolves just mostly because they're at home, but I don't feel great about it. I don't have a reason to take the Thunder, but I'm taking yeah. the Thunder. I'm taking them. <laughs> like you said, it's all about vibes, baby. Pull it out of your heart. That's a good pick. Um, the East plan is different in that both teams very much would like to make the playoffs and had the goals of doing so this season. No True. low expectations teams rolling into this one. Zach Levine kicks some butt for the Bulls to beat the Raptors. The Heat did nothing right against the Hawks. And now we're here. Do or die for two teams who thought they would be there. There's a lot of compelling stuff in this game, but it's fat. The, the one compelling part of this is that this bull, this iteration of the Bulls has five games of postseason experience and this iteration of the heat has a bleep ton conference finals nba finals and i think jimmy butler is going to be my most compelling matchup no matter who's on him but him and DeRozan are going to be a fascinatingly compelling group because of the way they play when the game is slowed down they're just so much more effective and can control the game in a meaningful way and from a narrative standpoint because i'm a sucker for it DeRozan versus lowry is going to be awesome the ex toronto teammate guys battling to make it into the postseason it was going to be fun as soon as the heat lost is either raptors versus lowry or DeRozan versus lowry thank you nba for setting this up for me i i do like i mean i'm sentimental as well i do kind of like that especially kyle lowry maybe a, a you know swan song of sorts i will say we also have the jimmy butler versus the bulls angle of this which is that's kind right of that's right you know like we also have that reunion here um you lied you said this. There's lots of compelling matchups here. There's not. You're not. Really compelled. <laughs> well, okay. Like Vucevic and Bam is interesting to me, and Levine versus the Heat's defense is interesting to me. Like, there's. I, I think that's all interesting stuff. The Bulls look so good when they look good, and they look so bad. Yes. When they look bad. So. Yes, they do. And meanwhile, the Miami Heat are like grinders that I just never think are good. So I don't know. I'm, my pick for this one, I'll go Miami Heat, I guess, because they. Yeah, I don't know Miami Heat. I'll, I'll take the Heat. This is one of those lazy and oh man, I'm looking at me with the lazy takes. Like if Nikola Vucevic goes like three for five from deep and makes Bam like take one step farther away from the basket, I think the Bulls win. Like they get some. I might just be that simple in terms of 
geometry. I'll take the Heat too. They've got the experience. They've been there, done that. Although <laughs> every game they play is 92 to 95 with four minutes to go. So we'll see if they can pull out another one like that. The winner of OKC Minnesota gets to play the team you cover, the Denver Nuggets in the first round. Not as many compelling matchups, depending on which one, which team wins that game. What's compelling to you with, with either matchup the, the Nuggets could get there? Well, Denver is really bad at, at containing perimeter drives, and the Thunder are the best in the NBA at driving. So there is a little bit of a stylistic mismatch there. The difference is there's also a mismatch when Jokic doesn't have a true center to go against. He tends to dominate. He tends to dominate against real centers too. But when you put up a rookie undersized center on him and Jalen Williams, or maybe if JRE comes back or any of those guys that they can – Dario Saric – I'm sorry, that's not going to work against the two-time MVP. <laughs> so I think Oklahoma City is the easier of the two matchups for Denver, even if I think Shea would average 35 points per game in that series. Um, and then on the other side, look, Carl Anthony Towns versus Nikola Jokic is always fun. It's not necessarily a question about which player is better, but when those guys go head-to-head, Carl Anthony Towns gets up for that matchup. So I think that would make for a very good sort of mono e mono matchup. And then let's not forget, Tim Conley goes there. Chris Finch comes from Denver. Uh, you know, he was one of Michael Malone's assistants in the early go of, of the Michael Malone era. So there are some. And, and then again, either Minnesota or Oklahoma City, these are Northwest Division opponents. So they know each other very well. And I think that angle of it is maybe a little um, uh, not underrated. It's a little exciting. Would you assume that Aaron Gordon guards Ant if that series comes to fruition? What's interesting about about that one is who guards Jokic is the first question I have. Because teams that have the most success against Jokic tend to put a lesser defender on Jokic. In this case, that would be Carl Anthony Towns. And then use their rim protector on Aaron Gordon to come over and block shots. And then, you know, you match up accordingly. So I don't know how Minnesota would try to do that. Would they not play a lot of minutes with Gobert and Towns together and try to do something else with Denver counter? So I don't know. I think that Aaron Gordon would likely try to guard Carl Anthony Towns more than he would guard uh, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I would be curious about the Ant matchup. You know, a lot of KCP, obviously, but just how they would try to try to sort that out. That's compelling to me. Yeah, the drives part of what the Thunder do, and that that's kind of all they try to do. That's honestly. all they do. Yeah, it's their offense. <laughs> Four guards hand it off a million times until you get a lane and take it to the rim. Um, that works. And the, the the thing about a team like that is when they do one thing so much that they're good at, in the playoffs, it's harder to do, right? Like when a team can really laser in on your strategies. So. Yeah, that that'll be a fun one. Um, I'll I will take the Nuggets in five or less in five or less games, <laughs> maybe Me four. Uh, I will also take the Bucks in five or less games. We haven't even talked about the compelling side of it that. Does, one. Honestly, that side doesn't matter. That side, yeah. let's take Bucks in four and call it good. Well, whoa, whoa, you got to let me do my stat because oh no. Me- the 2021 first round Bucks Heat Bucks four Heat zero 2022 Oof. first round. Bucks four, Bulls one. They're ready for either of these teams. Giannis is playing great. Even if Chris Middleton's not 100%, I mean, they can just – they're just better. They're, they're so good on defense. They're huge. The, the, the Heat might have some size, I guess, to be annoying, but, I mean, I just can't see either of these teams doing well. Agreed. Let's take a quick little break and then head over to talk about some of these Western Conference first-round games. Before we do so, though, got to name the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week and through – our four playing games so far, the answer for me has to be Mr. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. 32 points, a ridiculous number of them coming in the second half. One of the craziest deceleration layups to ice the game that I've ever seen in that Thunder Pelicans game. 32-5-3 and three he finishes with. 
in the win. Shay, this week, electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, and elegantly powerful, all like the Nissan 2023 Nissan Aria, a car that delivers on duality, a combination of fierceness and elegance. Beautiful but strong. It's the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs penny to your seat power and premium intelligence all into one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks, everybody, for making Lockdown NBA your first listen today and every Single day for your second listen, Locked On NBA game to game, except there was no games last night. So instead, listen to Locked On Nuggets to hear Adam and Matt Moore talk about the Denver Nuggets and their upcoming playoff series against TBD from the 8-10 play-in game in the West. Speaking of the West, lots of interesting series out there. The other three are settled. We'll just go chronologically 2-3-4. So 2-7, Grizzlies, Lakers. This game probably won't get any coverage on TV or anything like that. No real power brokers at stake here nobody who's popular uh amongst the nba discourse and all jokes aside this will be a fun series uh one team that showed they were the only team that could beat them last year was the champs one team that has a several time champ it's going to be fascinating to see if this new look lakers team can pull it off what's your most compelling matchup here adam well first of all before we get to compelling matchup is shannon sharp going to be at this game like will he be there the, the Lakers are going to give him a spot on the bench. <laughs> I just, would that be like so distracting if he was sitting courtside or if he was at the game? I think it would be. I think it would the be. The fact like, that we're talking about this is everything I hate about the NBA. Well, there you go. Uh, here's well, here we talk about storylines you hate. Here's one of my. I have two compelling matchups here: Jaron Jackson Jr. versus foul trouble. Because what happens when you have one of the best defensive all. players, maybe the best defensive player in the NBA, but somebody who can be a little foul prone, going up against a team that just draws fouls in their sleep. They just walk. In fact, I, the Lakers are already in the bonus. The game hasn't even started yet, I think. The bonus. <laughs> so I think it's a real a real storyline. And then the other one, you can take whichever one you want here. But I've got you know, LeBron James um, versus Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is a really – I know he's, like, known as a caricature, but he's actually a really good defender, and he has some of the size needed to go at LeBron. He guarded him very well in their one matchup this year where those two played. Um, I thought he did a great job on LeBron. So LeBron has not – did not look great in that plan. That was a game that, for his entire career, LeBron has taken over down the stretch and dominated. Now, he did make the game-winning play. But he just doesn't look – he looks injured to me or that he's lost a step or both. So can Dylan Brooks actually neutralize him and guard him? That, that to me is the great matchup. Can can Dylan Brooks be Lance Stevenson, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I mean, that that's kind of what <laughs> that's you right. – That's what you want, right? Like, yeah. like, look, man, like Lance didn't actually slow LeBron down that much back then. But oh. enough that it was talked about and part of the series and part of the thinking, like it matters and – yeah, that'll be a big part of this. Look, I think this series is going to be fascinating because a lot of the Grizzlies' identity year after year has been about this possession game, right? We're going to turn you over a million times. You're going to get in a billion offensive rebounds, and we're going to take eight more shots than you, and the game's over, and that's going to help us. Well, they don't have Steven Adams, and I think when you lose – look, they've still been playing well without him, but like that's a big part of your identity. That changes what you can do at the highest level. Sure, they still have a lot of talent, but you're going to have to adjust at center. They're going to have to adjust the way they crash the glass. And Lakers, if they can play good transition defense, like they might be able to just keep up in this. Their half-court defense is pretty good. So the stylistic clash is fascinating to me. I think you nailed a lot of the interesting ones, like the Lakers never foul. They take 26 free throws a game. Jaron Jackson is going to be very, very important in this one. What's funny? What's so funny, Adam? 
I just Jaron Jackson Jr. versus um, Anthony Davis is a great matchup. Yeah. I would love to see it, and I hope foul trouble doesn't become a storyline, but it will. It it definitely will. Uh, John Morant's gonna have to be great. I think. I mean, obviously, stars have to be great to win series, but he is, you know, the toughest matchup by far for the Lakers positionally too. Like they don't have awesome perimeter defender guards, and so I think Ja can get whatever he wants. Can he score? Can he distribute from those spots? We'll see. 3-6, my favorite first-round series in the NBA. I don't know where you are on this, Adam. The Warriors and the Kings. Why is it my favorite? Well, this is this is just perfect if you're the Kings. You finally make it after 16 years. You get the reigning champs. That's just that's just cool. That's just that's just cool. What's compelling to you about this one? Um, I'm just interested in seeing number one, this Warriors team, you could tell me anything. You know, are they good? Are they bad? We don't know. Are they an offensive team? Are they a defensive team? I, like there's just <laughs> This whole season has felt like they, they're they one of the five or six teams who didn't show anything in the regular season that we know they're capable of. But for me, if I whittled it down, the Warriors' defense versus the Kings' offense. The Kings' offense has been so good. But if a team stops you in the playoffs after you've been good all year, it's really scary. Last year, Denver couldn't get any stops on the Warriors. But, um, but Denver did score on them. I'm curious to see if the Kings can score at the same clip. If they can, like maintain their regular season efficiency if so i think they have a real chance everybody's writing the kings off i don't think you should but if you do see game one and the kings just can't score like they have been i do think it'll get in their heads yeah i was about to say the in their heads thing like pretend deer and fox starts one for four or one for five like that's his first playoff game ever you know like that immediately he's going to start thinking a little bit about every single shot he takes if that's the right decision or not what the next play needs to be so I'll be fascinated to see how lots of Kings players fall into that category. Like Herder's been there before, Sabonis has, but in general, it's it's a new environment and things like that. But I agree that they're, they're being a little overlooked. Like, yeah, their defense isn't great, but they're also the best offense by offensive rating ev- ever <laughs> in the history of basketball. And sure, offense is way up, but they were still the cream of the crop this year. So I will be endlessly fascinated by a million little things in this series, but it's I think it'll just be Kondraymond and co-design a system that that breaks up these Sabonis DHOs, right? Like that is so much what the Kings do. It's not rocket science. It's not something new. I'm telling you here, but if you can slow that down, make them get to action number two or I, or play number two over and over again, it's going to be way harder for them to be the team that they've been all season. And like the same goes on the other side for the, for the Kings. If they can get to that and get to their plays over and over, they're going to look great. So that one play could have a lot to do with the series. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> I wish Paul George was playing. This this would be my favorite series if Paul George was playing, but he's not. Suns, Clippers. I think the Suns have Kevin Durant. That's what I've been told uh, since February. I have actually not actually seen them play with him yet just because it only happened six times. Um, what is compelling to you about this series? I actually think this series is more compelling than people think, and I'm not a big Clippers believer, but let's just go through it. I think there's a KD Russ factor here, which is kind of interesting. Yes. I mean, you get Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant. There's always a little bit of bad blood and edge to that one. So let's turn it up a little bit. I think the Clippers have a huge depth advantage. I mean, let's face it. The Suns have four good players, you know, four great players. And then they have a bunch of guys that I don't know that you can really count on uh, Josh Akogi to really make plays in the, I mean, he's been a solid guy. He plays great defense, very athletic, hustles hard and has been knocking down shots, but is he going to knock down shots? in pivotal moments of the series. Let's find out. Meanwhile, the Clippers have a lot of guys who can play and have been there before. So depth. And then, of course, KD versus Kawhi. Yeah. So if you want to make a case for the Clippers in this one, okay, depth is going to balance things out. Maybe the Suns have a better 
big punch, but they, you know, as soon as you go to your bench and start staggering lineups, the Clippers have an advantage. Um, but for me, if you get to clutch time, does Kawhi Leonard guard Kevin Durant? And does he still have that in him? Because I'm not sure anybody can guard Kevin Durant. I'm, in fact, I, I would bet nobody can guard Kevin Durant. But I am kind of curious to see Kawhi try. Yeah, I will be too. And if he does, then it's like, well, someone has to guard Devin Booker. And that you know, maybe they try Robert Covington. Like, I hate to say They got guys. Right. They've got enough guys, enough bodies, you know. For, I hate to say that I even looked at this, but the Clippers tweeted out a picture of their players in like their practice uniform colors at a practice. And Robert Covington was with the starters. So now I'm thinking about what these matchups are. Like. <laughs> That's such like a media member way of looking at social media that's pictures I think. um we'll see what end up happening here but that's that's part of the clippers depth advantage is like they don't have anyone to stop kevin durant and devin booker but they have a lot of people who can try and i suppose that matters somewhat and look the the suns are interesting to me because yeah they have four great players but like if a kogi and tory craig and damian lee like if they hit their shots they just win the championship like it's just it's kind of that simple with that team it's not that simple. they're not gonna course. hit the shots though like i mean if I say hit those shots, I just mean they make an average number of them, you know, 38%, 37% right. of the open threes. Right. But I, I, who, they're not going to make all of them. I do think that there is a little bit of, like, the Suns are great, but there is a little bit of, let's see. I mean, they played the portion of the season together, those six games. I think it was actually eight. But those eight games, they played them when, every, when half the NBA had already taken their foot off the gas pedal, right? Let's yeah. see what happens when we get in the pressure. And by the way, if I give you one player that I think is most interesting here, a crazy wild X factor, let's see Bones Highland in a playoff game. Is they he? don't have the Suns don't have a ton of depth. I'm not really worried about their bench. Bones Highland isn't exactly a consistent player. I don't know. Game one, does he give you three threes in the third quarter? Does he just get hot from three and kind of change the temperature of the game? If he does, I think the Clippers can steal one. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, right, when the Suns have two of their stars out and they're across from Norm Powell and Marcus Morris and Avicii Zubac. And, you know, like, that's tough. That's still a tough matchup, so we'll see. Let's go to the East, where the first round is a little more clear outside of one series, but still some compelling storylines and matchups nonetheless. Before we get to that, though, let's talk to these people about Bilt Bar. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, and you need the best-tasting protein bar ever. That's Bilt Bar. You've got to try it if you're like me. You're trying to make healthier snack choices. I ate like a thousand peanut butter pretzels today, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just the thing for you, Built Bar and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. They taste so good. You won't even think they're good for you. You got to try them. What makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I don't know how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't even need to wait to get a box. You've had to order them online for years, as we've been telling you here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now you can go get them at Walmart or Sam's Club while still getting your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Get a four-bar box of your favorite flavors there. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like Brownie, Batter Pup, and Churro Puff. You can thank me later. Try Built Bar today. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On NBA your first listen today. And every single day for your second listen, hop on over to any of the teams playing in the play-in on Friday. Locked On Bulls, Locked On Heat, Locked On Thunder, or Locked On Timberwolves to get your fix ahead of the play-in games tonight. Adam, the East playoffs, uh, three of the series are just going to be bloodbaths. <laughs> it's just... Just well, that's why we put it in segment three, man. The East. <laughs> Boring. Uh, should we just start with the fun one, or do you want to no, go? The end with the fun one. Make people listen all the way all through. Right. 
All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Two seven. Hey, congrats to the Hawks. They've had a weird year. They fired a coach late as as ever, and Trey Young is maybe not a long-term member of the Hawks, but they made it. They're in. They're the seventh seed. Two years removed from a conference finals. None of that matters because they don't look very good this year, and they're playing perhaps the best team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. Look, the Celtics just have a level. They showed at the beginning of the season that maybe no one in the East can match. Uh, Milwaukee, maybe. Uh, and they just have so many wing-sized guys to throw at this Hawks team. And I think any matchup with DeAndre Hunter is going to be compelling because he's wing-sized and can defend and score a little bit. And it's kind of it for the Hawks in terms of depth at that spot. Bogdan Bogdanovich might have to defend the best he has in a series of in his life. And they have some other wing-sized dudes they could try to trot out there. But I just think eventually that depth is going to be overwhelming and the Celtics are going to run away with it. That was a long way of saying this is going to be a butt whooping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, if Clint Capella can do what he did against the Heat and just grab every miss from his own team and play great defense, like, yeah, the Hawks will have a chance. They'll have more possessions and have a defensive backstop. But Trey Young can't guard anyone who starts on the perimeter for the Celtics. Like, I just think it's going to be it's going to be easy for the Celtics to score as it was for much of the season. So I, I, agree. I mean, do, you, do you think the Hawks can win a game in this series? Yes. Trey's got that level of offensive power, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they've got players. They're not like a terrible team or anything, but there's a reason they are what they are this year. I, I mean, believe they... they were within one game of 500 for like 100 <laughs> days in a row or something like that. Was Did you see that? No, was that what it was? Like they, just like they were like 500, them. then they'd win, then they'd lose two in a row, then they'd win. Like they were ne- – it took forever. They were within one game of 500 for like two and a half months. Brad Rowan from Locked on Hawks will, will know that stat. They're, uh, they're yeah, it, above 500, by the way. They are 42 and 41. Currently, so perfect. So I think they go back down to 500. <laughs> Maybe Trey can go nuclear, and his pick and roll with Capella can be working. And Dejounte Murray certainly gives them a new element. But I just I, I love this, Tony. I, and I'm not I'm teasing. You know I love you. It's like you you're selling the NBA. You know, it's like I gotta sell this. It could be what if this is crazy? No, come on. Look, I know it. I know the second round is gonna be awesome. <laughs> this, this series might not be. Three six, the Nets are mercifully in the postseason after getting like three quarters of their wins before the trade deadline. They're playing the Sixers, who have uh, probably the MVP. Is that is that right to say? Uh, you might know better than I would. I think probably. certainly the MVP. Yeah, the early votes look like that's going to be the case. Also, James Harden. Um, they also have a coach who has a terrible playoff track record. As I try to sell people on the series again, um, look. The Nets traded their two best players in February. Mikael Bridges is awesome. He plays all the time. They don't have enough. They just who Nick, Nick Claxton's awesome at defense, but the thing he's the worst at is guarding physical centers. And of course. So I, no, I just, I'm telling you, this is the no same Bam Adebayo's. There's a handful of these guys out there who are really good against as at the center position, but they're not actually centers. They're just skinny power forwards that can play. Like he can't guard a Joel Embiid. No I mean, this is one of my. I have two matchups here that I find interesting. One is three pointers. The Nets take a lot of three pointers. Almost half their shots are threes, and. If they just get hot, I mean, there's always a chance of just let it fly, see what happens. And if you put some pressure on them in that one regard, maybe you could make this game interesting. I don't know how sustainable that is, that they get hot for four out of seven games, especially <laughs> early on. But we'll see. But I think the real matchup here, to me, is Joel Embiid versus NBA history. He is going up against the easiest front court matchup he could possibly imagine. They're going to be spaced out. 
they're going to be he's going to have a hundred pounds of size advantage on the interior and i think he's going to put up some hilariously astronomical numbers just so you wait until he somehow hits his head on a camera or something like he does every postseason and has oh, to wear a mask God. for the rest of the series uh yeah look Actual basketball-wise, Harden versus Mikael Bridges, sneakily a super fun match. It's a great defensive player to be able to throw out him, for uh-huh. sure. And so that could change things, but also like Tyrese Maxey can just break down the rest of the defenders who aren't any good. Spencer Dinwiddie versus uh, the narratives being thrown at him, also interesting. He's going to have to play pretty well after how he's been <laughs> talking. He's a good player, though. You know what? Yeah, like he is a good it. player. But you got you you can't say all that and then just suck for four games. Like That's you know, true. That's you, true. You That's a good point. You know, you can't do that. Um. The, the interesting one, Knicks, Cavs. All a lot right. of, uh, I don't even know what to call this. This is an advanced stats. Like point differential is not an advanced stat, but like non-traditional ways of evaluating teams, I guess. They're like, hey, this Cleveland team is amazing. Like this team is awesome. And they are really unique and they also don't have any wings. And so they're a very interesting team in the modern NBA. The Knicks surged late. Jalen Brunson was awesome. Uh, Julius Randle's little injured, and that's where compelling thing. I know. Thing right here. away, Julius Randle versus himself. I guess can he be ready to go at a high level? Because if he's not, the Knicks just aren't as good. Like <laughs> there's no way to sugarcoat that. But the Knicks do have a lot of guards who defend really well, or at least are really pesky and annoying. Emmanuel quickly versus uh, any Cavs guard, Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell will be fascinating. Jalen Brunson can light it up like that. That backcourt matchup will be so compelling to me. It will be. I think, I mean, this is one of them, like even just Brunson versus Donovan Mitchell, if you want to just, I don't know how much they'll guard each other, but who can have the better series? You know, this is a big spot for Jalen Brunson to really, what a, what a prove it year he's had in terms of, you know, a lot of people skeptical. Kenny, was he worth the contract? Is he worth this or that? And he's looked every bit of it, but now's where you really make your name and going up against a guy in Donovan Mitchell, who's sort of in that tier of, you know, thought of one tier below that the top tier of, you know, the bookers and the Steph Curry's and, and, and that Dame Lillard's he's thought of just a little bit below that. So I think it's a big narrative one for both of those guys in terms of, Hey, here's an opportunity to go out and show that you're the best guard on the court in a matchup that features some good guards, and that'll be huge. But I also just like the defense-offense matchup here. I will say I like the series. I think it can go either way. But if you were asking me to pick, I would feel pretty confident picking the Cleveland Cavaliers. You mentioned all the positive indicators. I actually think Cleveland's a little underrated. They're a very good team. They don't have some great wings, but I think they're a great team. I think the Knicks are a great regular season team. So I kind of expect this one to be a little bit more – I think it'll be exciting, but maybe not a long series. Adam, I have some bummer news. I just got a text. We've been fired for not talking about Donovan Mitchell versus New York that tried to trade for him immediately <laughs> off the jump talking about this series. Oh, no. Well, that will be interesting, I guess, after like one game. I'm sure that narrative will die. Yeah, like the Cavs to me are so fascinating. Like every time the Pacers played them to, to go back to the team I cover – I would always ask guys at the game, like, what's it like going against this team where just like there's no room in the paint? Because they're just huge. Jared Allen yeah. and Mobley are huge. Isaac Okoro is so stout. Like, it's just you get in the paint, and you're like, where do I go? Where do I throw the ball? And so there's a like Mobley won't win deep player of the year, but he's going to be in that mix. And Jared Allen's awesome. Like, that is so tough to overcome for any team. And so I agree with you. The Knicks might be a little more regular season than playoffs. We'll see. But that alone is why I, too, I think would pick the Cavs, not like convincingly, but I think they're going to win the series. 
All the indicators have to matter. Why do I like? Why is points per possession and advanced stat and points per game? Is, is I know that actually is a funny one. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> point. It always blows Line my mind. Line between advanced stat and non-advanced stat is funny. Points scored over possessions had. Oh, that's tricky, man. Division is uh, is brutal for people. It's actually play. not even – if you think about a triple-double as an advanced stat, it's like combining <laughs> stats here. Like, hold on. You mean there's three different stats? Double. I can't do it, man. This is I'm lost. This We already great. got fired. We could say whatever we want for the rest of the show. So, uh, You can follow Adam at Adam underscore Mares and listen at Locked on Nuggets. Top seed in the West. It's going to be a fun team to watch us here. Didn't say a lot on the line for the Nuggets, but certainly an interesting year just given the buildup they've had to being number one to see how they do. You can say it. There's a lot on the line for the Nuggets, but I think they're ready. I think they're ready to prove it. I'm excited that there's so many people doubting Denver. I think it's a perfect spot for them to be in. I will not be doubting Denver. I was the only one who hopped on our Locked On NBA trade deadline show when the Suns got Durant, and I said, are the Suns the best team in the West? Denver's pretty good. Uh, for a team not in the playoffs, you want to hear more about the Pacers and their upcoming offseason where they have more draft picks than available roster spots. Locked on Pacers is the way to go. Lots of coverage there from me about that team. Kevin Pritchard, their president, said their offseason will be, quote, nuts. So we'll see what's going to happen to the Indiana basketball team. We'll have more at Locked on Pacers. Thank you guys for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. Jackson Gatlin back with the biggest stories in the NBA on Monday. He'll see you then.